quick one. If you can hit follow or subscribe to this podcast, that really helps me track new listeners. Cheers. Hello and welcome back to the Wealth Journal podcast. Welcome back to everyone. And you know what? Actually, welcome back to me because it has been a while since I've done a Wealth Journal podcast episode. And actually, you know, through taking a bit of a break on the podcast, as I did a few weeks ago, then I dropped an episode, um, a bit of a pessimistic episode, granted. Um, the reaction was really positive. A lot of downloads, um, one of the best performing episodes I've done. So I'm thinking now, rather than releasing them weekly, which I, you know, I pretty much did for a year, um, feel free to try that yourself and see how you get along. It's it's not easy. Um, yeah, maybe maybe dropping in an episode sort of sporadically isn't a bad strategy. You know, they talk about when it comes to content, be consistent, but actually inconsistency seems to be favoring the Wealth Journal numbers. Uh, maybe that was a one-off, who knows? But no, it's good to be back on the podcast. I thought I would just um, share a bit, a bit of an update in terms of what's been going on the last sort of few weeks since the since the previous episode. And I know, you know what, it does actually start to feel like things are unraveling a little bit in the financial markets. And um, we've obviously seen inflation still here in the UK, uh, very high. I think at the time of recording, we've just released the latest figures, 41 year high, 11.1%. And I think that's probably going to mean that the Bank of England are going to continue to be quite aggressive when it comes to raising interest rates. We've seen that obviously in the in the US with the Federal Reserve. Their inflation actually last month did come down a little bit and the markets reacted positively because, and the reason for that is that once, once they sort of see that the uh, measures that the Federal Reserve are doing are maybe working, um, the fact that they're, they're you know, their increase in interest rates is actually starting to bring inflation down. The reason why the markets reacted positively is because they then see that the Fed would would slow that down and almost you know maybe hold rates to where they are, which is good for good for equities, um, good for equity prices. But whereas in the UK, we might actually see that um, aggressive rate hike still continue, and that's what makes me me nervous, especially when people have got mortgages, especially when people have got any form of debt lending. It's obviously going to make things a lot more expensive, especially when you're on a tracker mortgage or when you're going to come to remortgage. So that's where it's a little bit concerning. And things are difficult in the UK. Um, If you look at our GDP figures, I think we're the only country in the sort of major, um, the major economies that has actually seen a decline and it seems pretty certain that we're going to slip into into a recession and there's been a lot of sort of uh, commentary suggesting that it's going to be a very long recession which of course isn't isn't great uh, nobody wants nobody wants that and i guess on the theme of this uh, implosion that we've seen the last few weeks. Crypto has has made the headlines once again. And if if any area that was probably going to massively implode and maybe even going to implode first, let's face it, it was probably going to be crypto. It tends to be way more volatile than any of the other asset classes out there. And we've seen huge volatility in the stock market. You know, if you if you pull up the charts for companies like um, Meta, obviously formerly Facebook, you'll see that their share prices come way down from from their previous all-time highs. Uh, A lot of organizations actually starting to lay off members of staff. And um, obviously that's that's not great news. You never want to hear that. 
And yeah, if you look at a lot of you know a lot of stock prices, we've seen we've seen declines there. So when you know when the wealth journal has been very much follow me on my journey towards wealth, uh, let's face it, we've been I've been taking a bit of a backward step recently. I would say my wealth has been decreasing in the last um, well, actually, probably for most of <laughs> most of this year. Twenty twenty one has been a difficult year. We reached huge all time highs sort of the beginning of the year, end of last year, and yeah, let's face it, I thought I was a stock picking genius. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it. I thought if I continued at this compound rate, I'll probably overtake Warren Buffett when I hit around about 45. Um, but it's not worked out that way. It's not worked out that way. And it's been interesting. It's been a very interesting period. And one of one of great learning, I would say. Um, one of great learning. And I guess I guess with 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 these sort of situations when we when we enter either, you know, recessions or see huge sort of um I guess historical events such as inflation, things that I've certainly not lived through before, you do sort of think, yeah, um, it is an opportunity to to learn and see how things sort of pan out in the future. Of course, we won't, we don't know whether inflation will start to come down, what the impact of that will be, how long these things will last. Um, but one thing maybe is important to do in these situations, and I know I've mentioned this on the podcast many a times, and when I've been searching for answers online, very often they they suggest that you zoom out. You know, zoom out, look at all these previously huge events, um, you know, in history on a chart and you'll see that more often than not, they are, they are just events. In some cases, minor blips. The only thing that makes me a little bit skeptical on that sort of way of looking at things is that if you look at the, let's take the S&P as an example over the last maybe a hundred years. Yes, those events seem quite minor. When you when you zoom out on the chart, whether it's the Great Depression, uh, the dot com crash, the the housing market crash of two thousand and eight, fairly minor. But if I sort of and I'm just pulling up the charts right now of the S and P five hundred, if I look at what happened to the S and P five hundred in the last sort of couple of years, is like no other on the on the chart. The, the growth between maybe 2008 to 2020, yeah, Jan 2022 is just crazy, crazy, absolutely crazy. And then the, 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 the decline in comparison is, is massive as well. So I think, you know, things were hugely inflated during COVID. There was a huge amount of um, money sloshing around in the system that created this, this huge bubble. And that bubble was seen in real estate, I think, when we'll, we will potentially see that crash and maybe we're starting to see that crash. We've saw a huge bubble in uh, in stocks, especially tech stocks, which had huge valuations. And of course, crypto. And yeah, like I said, crypto has started to see that, that unwind. Um, a lot of the prices of crypto now, if I just look at, let's just take Bitcoin as, a, as an example, uh, the most popular cryptocurrency, the the I think it peaked around about I'll use I'll use UK prices here forty eight thousand um, for essentially a digital coin um, and now it's sitting at around about time of recording here about fourteen thousand so a huge decline um, that year to date sixty percent well even more even more than sixty percent so a huge decline year to date in crypto and the crypto markets themselves have have had a crazy couple of weeks. Um, and if you've you know not aware of what's happening in crypto, basically FTX, which I think is maybe the second largest crypto exchange, so obviously a place that you can buy and sell crypto, um, 
they also have like a trading platform on there run by Sam Bankman. Let's get his name right. Sam Bankman Freed. Yeah, um, I got it right the first time. Uh, yeah, so his, his basically his crypto exchange, FTX, he was seen as almost like the one of the poster boys of the crypto world. He's a featured on sort of, you know, Forbes magazine as the next Warren Buffett, the crypto king. Um, his exchange collapsed um, pretty, pretty spectacularly last uh, last week, and it's it's affected a lot of people. Uh, a lot of people have lost have lost money during that collapse. Obviously, if you've got your crypto and bought it through an exchange and it still sits on that exchange, um, then you are at li- risk of losing that crypto if the if the firm was to to go bust. Um, in the same way, I guess if you had and this is maybe a poor example, but think about it. If, if if there was a bank that you that you used, you had all your savings in that bank, and the bank effectively went bust. There's a risk that you could lose um, some of your savings. Now, when it comes to actually cash, and obviously banks are regulated here, there is a, there is protection for a certain amount of funds. I think it's between seventy to eighty thousand pounds. Crypto that doesn't exist. <laughs> there's, there's very little regulation in terms of crypto, so the likelihood is that if you had your money sat on an exchange or your crypto sat on an exchange such as FTX, they went out of business, then unfortunately you, it's likely that you would lose your crypto. And a lot of people did, and a lot of people are very upset about what, what's happened there because it seems like the organization has, I don't want to speculate, but has done some dodgy things. Um, and it's still very much early days in terms of exactly what's happened here at FTX. I'm sure I'm sure we'll find out in the future uh, so I wouldn't like to speculate here on the Wealth Journal podcast uh, in terms of exactly what's happened, but it seems like there's, some, there's been some dodgy, unusual activity around the exchange. And yeah, people have lost a lot of money. So when it comes to actually the future of crypto, a lot of people have, have, have called it into question, uh, maybe rightly so, um, who knows? These things do tend to happen though. I mean, crypto prices across the board have come down. There are sometimes... Um, I guess casualties when asset prices start to fall, things start to get exposed where previously they weren't, especially in like a bull market when things are constantly, constantly rising, less questions are being asked. So yeah, very interesting times for crypto. And again, it is still such a new technology, uh, still very much early days. It is very clunky to, to use. And I guess the amount of users of crypto is still quite small when you compare it to you know, many other industries. So I think, you know, me personally, I still remain quite optimistic about the, about the industry. I actually did a little bit of reading about, about the dot com sort of bubble. And I do see quite a lot of similarities. You know, there was times where certainly during the 1990, you know, late 1990s, where basically any sort of startup project that was involved in tech got a huge amount of money and, um, got huge valuations and eventually the bubble burst and, uh, you know, a lot of those valuations went to zero. There were a lot of bankruptcies, but there were, you know, there was some, some great organizations that were born out of that craze. You know, you look at the likes of, of Amazon and, um, some of these other sort of big tech companies that have eventually become very successful. So, and, you know, even at the time, then there were people basically that, you know, tech is dead and th- th- this new wave of technology won't, won't sort of, um, won't sort of stick when in actual fact, of course it, it did. So 
maybe this is an opportunity for, for crypto to to clear away some of the deadwood and maybe reset in the industry and and move forward. The only challenge that I think crypto can have is that there is this you know there are these people that are very much involved to make a short term short term book and there will be an element of speculation around it and maybe that will change in the future. Um, maybe maybe you know and I think it will. Hopefully it will that the industry will improve. Um, but for me personally, you know, Web three. If you take just crypto aside, um, Web three itself, I still think remains um, very exciting. Very exciting. The world of decentralized, uh, decentralized internet, uh, decentralized banking, and things like that. There's there's a huge amount of of potential still, and companies continue to invest. You know, you look at Nike have just released um, something called Dot Swoosh, which is basically enabling people to trade. Uh, digital collectibles, uh, create versions of Nike products and trainers apparel and, and actually trade them between themselves, almost a bit like trading cards, but they're inviting um, communities to come and actually create their own. And that's all going to operate via the blockchain. So I think it's I think it's important to actually maybe have a distinction between crypto, the blockchain, Web3, and the different technologies at play here, but also what they actually can enable brands to do. One interesting thing about the Nike uh, dot swoosh thing I was reading about it yesterday is that through creating these digital collectibles such as trainers or pieces of apparel that exist virtually virtually online, they plan in the future to allow uh, people who own these to transfer them onto maybe games or metaverses. So if you've got an avatar, they can then wear these these Nike products that that you've collected or or own and yeah for me personally um, at my age I don't really play a huge amount of games but when I look at you know people in my family that are a lot younger than me um, playing on these games creating avatars buying things you know skins or whatever it may be for these games to to wear and show off to their friends that's really important and there is a whole industry around that so yeah, I think it's quite quite interesting, quite exciting. They're not released really sort of how they, uh, what games they're partnering with, um, but it's very interesting. I mean, my my mind went to uh, Grand Theft Auto. That's probably the last, the last game I actually played. Um, and I know they've got a huge Grand Theft Auto online these days, but if you could rock about in Grand Theft Auto wearing your um, Nike Air Force Ones or your Nike Nike Dunks, then I guess you'd be looking you'd be looking pretty cool. So, yeah, interesting time still. I think I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, um, yeah, I guess for me, you probably, I don't know whether you are wondering this, but what am I doing from a crypto point of view at the moment? Um, of course, not, none of this is financial advice. It's important to say that. Um, but what learnings have I taken? And I guess it goes back to the fact that first of all, crypto is, is in theory decentralized. That's how it's supposed to be. Now, the downside of, of crypto being decentralized is that you then have to be responsible for your own cryptocurrency. There's no bank or intermediary that is going to look after it for you. Otherwise, then it would be centralized. So, and that's the benefit of crypto. You don't have to trust anybody. You can hold the private keys to your crypto empire yourself. You can you can memorize those private keys. You could cross borders with millions of pounds worth of crypto stored in your head effectively. And it's a, it's a huge benefit. If you was to forget those private keys, like some people have done or lost lost access to wallets, you can you can lose crypto. No one's going to be there to reset your password or give you access or be IT support. Now, the issue is with FTX. Obviously, they was a effectively a centralized exchange. 
you, you went onto FTX, you deposited your fiat money, your, your pounds, your dollars to then buy crypto, and they would hold that crypto on the exchange for you. Now, the only danger is that you, then you've got a point of failure. So if FTX went, went bust, which they have done, you're at risk of losing your crypto. And that happens with a lot of people, unfortunately. Now, what what a lot of people in the crypto world advise and what, what one of the sort of common sayings is in crypto is if it's not your keys, it's not your crypto. And what a lot of people then recommend you do is that once you purchase crypto is to get it off an exchange and store it in either a digital or um, a hardware wallet. Obviously, a hardware wallet is the safest form of storing your crypto. It's basically like a USB drive. It holds the private keys to the crypto. It's not connected to the internet. Therefore, it's um, at very low risk of being hacked. And you can you can sit on your crypto then. And if an exchange was to go bust, no worries, because you hold the crypto yourself personally on your, on your hardware device. Again, with the digital wallet, you're taking it off an exchange. You are storing it on a what we would call a hot wallet, so it's still connected to the internet, so still potentially at risk of being hacked, but slightly safer than not being on an exchange. I've covered how to store crypto on the, in the past on the podcast, but one of my key learnings from this period is none of these exchanges um, are ever 100% safe. You know, and it's the same with any business. You know, FTX was one of the biggest exchanges. That's why the impact of this sort of uh, bankruptcy was was so major because they were huge. They were, you know, sort of well-renowned and effectively they, they went bust and it's made people think, well, if they can go bust, then potentially who else could go bust? Um, so yeah, one thing to just bear in mind, be organized in terms of where you store your crypto. Make sure you back up them, them private keys or them seed phrases in a place that you know is safe, secure. Maybe make multiple copies or also get them saved, get your crypto keys saved on a, on a hardware wallet, which isn't connected to the internet. So a couple of key learnings there. And then also, where do you buy your crypto from? Um, again, this is sometimes down to personal preference, but you've got the likes of Coinbase. Obviously, they're probably the number one crypto exchange out there. They are regulated in the US, so you can, and they're the publicly traded company. So there's much more transparency when you look at a company like Coinbase. Yes, they have higher fees. Um, but again, if you purchase crypto on Coinbase, you keep it sat on your Coinbase account or it's still held by them. It, you know, it's potentially at risk if Coinbase were to go bust. I'm not saying they will. Um, but Coinbase also have their own uh, digital wallet as well as an option so you could transfer into that and then of course you hold you hold the keys um i've i've used um swissborg a few times i mentioned them on the podcast as an exchange and again more often than not when i want to buy crypto i pretty much um get it off the exchange as quickly as possible anyway and put it into my wallet so i don't know necessarily think it's um it makes a huge difference which exchange you use, providing that you're then transferring the crypto into your wallet and then it's obviously safe and you hold the keys. But making sure you've got them keys backed up is, of course, very important. So that's just been my main sort of key learning and it's almost reinforced what I already do, this whole FTX debacle. Um, so, yeah. And in terms of actual crypto from an investment point of view, I've not actually bought some crypto for a while, to be fair. Um, obviously the market's been going through a, a huge decline and being honest, I felt like I've, again, I'm not claiming to be the Oracle here, but like with the stock market, my concerns about the housing market, I feel like I've seen a lot of this coming, whether that's just through spending time talking to people through the wealth journal, just starting to understand the markets a little bit more, not that I call myself a professional, um, 
yeah, I feel like I've I've seen this sort of coming in many in many ways. When when the bottom will be, I'm not 100 percent sure. And you know, the the experienced investor would probably say there's no way that you can really time the market. Um, nobody has, nobody will. Certainly from a top or a bottom point of view, which is why dollar cost averaging is such a such a good way, a, a good strategy over the long term. Um, but at the moment, yeah, obviously crypto prices are very low compared to where they've been. Um, but who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I still think. I still think there's potentially, um, yes, potentially choppy waters ahead. Um, so yeah, I'm just sort of sitting tight at the moment. But I'm still fairly optimistic on on the future of, of crypto and blockchain. So I don't think I don't think it's completely dead. But that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Um, anyway, I feel like I've rambled on enough now on this episode. Um, so. As always, thank you, thank you so much for listening to the Wealth Journal, and I am um, I am planning on continuing to release more episodes, um, speaking to a couple of different people about getting some guests on the podcast uh, as well. So, yeah, as always, thanks for listening, and I will speak to you again soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.